Are you working? What kind of work do you do? Midweek podcast with Charlie Bornoff, year in review, college baseball is super fun. It's happening right now, just not the traditional NCAA seasons, a lot of summer baseball going on, but we're going to recap today uh, things we were right about, which will be a shorter segment, things we were wrong about, which will be a longer segment, transfers, uh, year in review, big names still on the market, some of the big names and how they played out this past season, and everything else you need to know in life, all about college baseball with the man himself, Charlie Bornoff. Uh, this is going to be a good one. Chucky, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm excited to talk about different things. I've had quite a bit of news to talk about since last time we recorded. A lot of exciting things to go over, things we've seen before, things we haven't seen. So I'm excited. What do you think the biggest newsworthy thing is since we last talked, listeners of the Midweek Podcast, likely uh, last time you heard us, it was me, you, Robert Fry episode last week. We are going through a bunch of hypotheticals. So it's almost been two weeks since we've really hit you yeah. with some maybe what we could call more timely things. Even though last week I had a blast, uh, that was such a good time. And I think there's still work to do. Um, just about creating these LSU-esque super teams with oh, yeah. pools of players. It's super fun. Yeah. Thank, big thank you to Robert Fry for coming on the podcast again. Always fun talking baseball with him. Um, I don't know if I have a single event, but I feel like it's fair to say LSU and the Tigers have just dominated the college offseason. Definitely. And I think this parlays right into what we got right and what we got wrong for yes. me at least. I, I, at the beginning of the year, obviously a lot of noise is created with transfers. And while LSU has gotten a lot of transfers, I would argue that the biggest transfer in the country was Jacob Berry last year. Yep. And he had a good year. LSU had a solid year. I was really high on LSU. I think I was wrong though, because I was a year too soon. I think next year, uh, certainly looks like they're a team that's going to be destined, um, at least when you just look at their roster, looks more loaded than any teams right now. I know that could change with people transferring to different schools or whatever progresses with incoming freshmen moving forward. And, of course, all the uncertainty of availability in terms of staying healthy with your team. But right now, uh, that team looks locked and loaded. And they have a lot of guys also causing some uncertainty with the MLB draft, uh, which will be coming up around the corner, which we fund a detail. But that is going to play a huge role um, for a lot of these top level teams if they get some of their best bats back with the 20 round draft or not. Uh, but for me, uh, that's kind of where I start because I was wrong about them, but it's almost like a backhanded right because. Maybe next year I can try to rock with them as well. But they certainly look good. Let's give them some of the names they've got so far. You know, Tommy White, Christian Little. Pretty, pretty good players right there. You know, they're right. not too bad. And and not to mention, they already had a guy who potentially could be a top pick next year, Dylan Cruz. Uh, yeah. Thatcher Heard from UCLA making his way over. How about Carter Young? Yeah. And so that's a huge story. I think a big story also is getting somebody who is an MLB pitching coach and uh, moving over to your team as well. So LSU uh, definitely causing a lot of noise. They do have some players leaving their program as well, but that's kind of a mumbo jumbo of uh, what I kind of got wrong. Yeah, it's okay. Like, it, it, you were very much right to be excited about LSU at the beginning of the season. Like I, the big issue I think for everybody was kind of like how the, how's the pitching going to do? Cause they knew they had some decent pitchers, but nothing like the staff wasn't crazy. So we knew the bats, they have to hit a lot to win a lot. And they did more or less, but obviously they didn't really turn to a national title contender. Like I think you hope they did, but that's okay. Because we'll, I mean, we're going to get through some later, I guess, actually, since we're doing things, let's just start, let's just get the bad out of the way. You down with that? The bad? Yeah, let's get the bad out of the way. So you said LSU and that's start fair. with the bad news. Yeah. Okay. Now what's I'm gonna the go bad with, news for you? Uh, Mississippi State. Okay. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I don't think I, not you're that, alone in that department. Oh, thankfully, no, I'm not. Misery loves company, and I'll take plenty with Mississippi State. Uh, just a lot of things just went wrong there in Starkville all year. Getting Landon Sims and losing him after, like, what, two games of pitching from him and losing him for the year is really brutal considering he was looking like an ace early on. Who's to say he actually ends up being, like, an ace all the way through? I think he would have, but – yeah, you get and the weird part is like your transfers work out with like an RJ Jaeger and guys like that, mm-hmm. but uh, just a lot, a lot of disappointment. It kind of shows you that even because just you are the champion, return players does not guarantee you anything, especially when you're playing in a loaded conference like the SEC. So the Bulldogs are my first one wrong for just many reasons, but and I'll, I'll wear that one. I was I was wrong about them. Right, I think that that's a general consensus. Um, for all, I mean, everybody was shocked. It's not very often you see a team win at all, then not make your own league's conference tournament, just a testament, like you said, to the strength of the conference. Like we've mentioned many times on here, but they did lose a lot of guys, um, at least some of their leaders, but, and then they had some other guys transfer, but it was for sure a significant drop off. Um, and definitely something that caused some confusion. And for me, I feel as though, one place where I was severely wrong and speaking of causing confusion, if anybody decided to listen to me throughout the duration of the season, especially when it came to the picks, really, I could have just put picks in here um, in terms of what I got right, what I got wrong. Cause I struggled um, many, 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 many weekends um, trying to pick the right teams, but in particular, especially when it came to the scorching hot takes uh, those didn't really turn out. If I specifically uh, draw on the Dallas Baptist take that I had, I thought that they were going to have a lot of success, especially within league play, maybe after some early lumps to some good teams, uh, but that they certainly did not do that. Their RPI was strong a lot of the year just because their strength of schedule, uh, but they definitely disappointed um, this year. And I was somebody who thought that they would run through that conference play um, with these certainly was not the case. And that's something that I definitely got wrong. Um, I, like I said, again, a podcast would be too long if I detailed everything I got wrong, but uh, that that's one example that sticks out to me, Charlie. Yeah, that's fair. I think that's another one though, where you certainly weren't alone on that. Like I know a lot of, I believe D one baseball, even might've had DBU, I think like at 23 in the preseason polls. I know I was high on them enough too. Yeah. They had a weird season. Like the RPI was there, but just, they kind of really a fart in the wind. Once um, conference plays started, that was brutal for them. Uh, just another example of like, preseason things are cool but like it doesn't mean anything if you don't do it in the season so people should always remember that um it's interesting I just, it just felt like same thing with mississippi state i think it's, things were not clicking for for them for whatever reason i don't think was, i don't at least from my memory i don't think it was like i said catastrophic injury to one of the star players like a jace grady or somebody of that caliber just kind of one of those years where things weren't working for him right and that's rare for a program now of that caliber uh, that they're expected to have success year in and year out. And you bring up the preseason polls. It's very interesting because the preseason polls ultimately felt like they turned out right. You know, Ole Miss was a top five team preseason, then dropped out, then came back in. Texas was number one. They made it to the college world series. So in a lot of respects, the preseason polls, somewhat were accurate obviously there's always going to be outliers especially in a big field tournament when you try to measure it based off postseason success but at least from those two teams who had strong preseason attention they ultimately both made it pretty far in the postseason as well yeah you're right it was it's also it was weird though because it was kind of like a full is a real circle of the wagons with some of those teams that people had in the preseason like you said like an old miss where we knew they're super talented but then you know for most of the year, you ask people after like the one after they fall from the number one ranking back in like I think it was March. People, uh, I don't think anybody would be saying the preseason guys got it right. I think they'd be calling them idiots and stuff. And then in the end, uh, you know, they win the national championship. So comes full circle, plenty of uh, peaks and valleys throughout that whole ride, which is kind of the thing that I think people should emphasize. If you, you really do believe in a take, you got to stick to your guns with it throughout the year. 
I know it's easy to cop out. I know you and I have both certainly done that and then also picked up on wagons that we shouldn't have. But uh, if you can, st- if you really do believe in a, like a pick or your belief on something, just stick with it. Would you call what Tennessee did this year a wagon? Because they weren't a preseason number one team, but a month into the season, it was consensus um, that, that the wagon has arrived. And I think that's something that everybody hopped on. Is that something that you call that wagon while like teams like Texas and Ole Miss, uh, you people stick to their guns and they have go further, but Tennessee just kind of feels like they shook the entire world of college baseball, kind of like yeah. uh, some of those Vanderbilt teams did, whether they had Walker Bueller and Carson Fulmer or David, they kind of just dominate uh, the storyline of college baseball in that particular season. That's what Tennessee was this year. Would you, would you describe them as that type of wagon and almost something that maybe people got wrong because they weren't that as least high on them in the preseason, even though they're a great program, they've got Tony Vitello and he's moving them in the right direction. And no, nobody expected them to have this much success, but obviously they're a really good team and program nonetheless. Yeah. I mean, wagon, obviously like when you have the season that you know you have with them and all the awards that your players and coaches and, university get with that for sure i think an am- i think an ambush is a better way to put it because they were they were pretty much consensus like top 25 team kind of in that mid-teens maybe upper like teens uh category so we knew they had a talent so it's more of a question of um okay well certain things click for them and clearly they fucking clicked i mean you have the season like that you basically don't let go of the number one uh team in the nation since like from march on almost and then you do get bounced in super regionals, but like the, the it's still a historic team that I'm remembering. This is easily one of the best teams to never win the national championship. Um, they've reloaded Tony Vitello has done it again. They've reloaded, they got Zane Denton now at third base from Alabama. I you and I both liked him a lot this year. Maui Ahuna from Kansas. We play in shortstop for you. Um, Tennessee, they'll be okay. Obviously, you return Drew Young, Chase Burns, amongst other arms and other freshman bats, but that's a lot of topic, I guess. But yeah. Yeah, wagon. They're a wagon, but an ambush first. A little guerrilla right. warfare, maybe. No, I mean, I don't think it's off topic also just because when you talk about things that maybe that you personally got right or that we were accurate on, I think before many people started to recognize Tennessee was the best team in the country, um, that's something that you started to talk about. Now it's two sides to the coin because ultimately maybe you could say they weren't, but ultimately – you could say that they were too, because they were uh, during the regular season, what have you. But early on in the year, uh, I know that you were putting the money where the mouth was, even when they weren't maybe the most likely team in terms of betting odds. Ultimately, yeah. they finished that way when the tournament started. Uh, but even before that, they were that favorite favorite. Um, you you hopped on them just because they were just destroying teams. They were. Um, early in the year, it was impressive. It was eye popping. And then they kind of took the rest of the nation. Um, they grabbed their attention because of just the way they play. But honestly, when we recap this entire year in this episode, I must say that they did a lot of good for the game of college baseball this year, for sure. Just the energies that they had, the success they had, and the way that they played the game and made it fun, you know, made yeah. it exciting. And that's what baseball is. It's a game, um, and we love it. And uh, they certainly played that game not only at a high level, but they played it with great enthusiasm, passion, and they had a lot of fun doing it. And that is what it is all about, in my opinion. Yeah, you're right. Um, college sports are is just better when there's good rivalries, but even better when there's – villains that people love to hate you see it across like college football like people love to hate alabama they used to love to hate miami when they were rolling back in the early 2000s and in the 80s or in 90s as well but um tennessee is kind of i think they've very much accepted the villain role at least in the sec um and yeah like you did say or i'll go back to what you said earlier like they did like fall short of the ultimate goal obviously but in a, in a weird way too i guess um i think this is a massive win of a season now because it was so historic, but, and they kind of did this last year too for themselves. But like, this is like this season, even without winning the, um, the title, it's like one of the best ways you can possibly market the program that Vitello has 
because he's shown that you can just go there and develop. You can transfer in and be a dude. Um, you, you know you're going to get the Rocky Top crowd every single game on every single weekend, just absolutely bumping. You can be yourself. You can swag out because you know you're going to have the team and talent to like, put your money where your mouth is and talk that kind of shit. And have, it's, it's just better when – and they, they just – like I said, like I just said like they really do embrace the villain role. And I think college baseball is missing that for a few, like a true, true villain that's good year in and year out. I think Vitello has found that down in Knoxville. I would agree. I think that the SEC kind of as a conference plays that role of a villain to the yeah. rest of the nation. But when you go to particular teams, I mean, it's hard to say, you know, that Vanderbilt, maybe they've been that a little bit or Arkansas over the past decade, but it felt a little bit different. Uh, I guess with the zest that yeah. was with the, the Tennessee they're, program, yeah, they're, they're new money versus like the old, mo- like old money as in like the last probably two decades where like a Vanderbilt in Arkansas with, you know, DVH and Corbin, like the like staples of the college baseball world, even at Kevin and Sullivan and uh, at Florida, like those are premier programs and premier coaches that have not only won national titles, but just produced, you know, all stars and all Americans and just all kinds of talent, but they don't, they don't, not that I'm not saying that they restrict their players and their personalities, but they're certainly not nearly as brash and flashy as the volunteers are. Exactly. And when we talk about things in the past year that we got wrong, Charlie, I know you're obviously going to have the floor to discuss what you got wrong, but I wanted to ask you, is there anything that you can think of off the top of your head that I got wrong that I haven't mentioned yet. Am I missing some something glaring that I definitely missed the mark on? I'm trying to draw back on the take. Some I try to forget, but I'm I'm wondering if if you can think of anything off the top of your head. Oh, fuck. Uh, I don't remember because like we did these preseasons so long ago. Um, if I had to take a guess, I'm sure you and I got some things wrong about the Big Ten because that was kind of hard to go through overall. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like you were pretty high on Liberty early on, not that I wasn't per se, but then they kind of, no pun intended, flamed out after like <laughs> they had a really strong start to the season. They kind of just didn't do a whole lot. That that's true. Uh, I, that yeah, that's I all agree I can think with of really. that one. That well, um, I don't know. Well, no, that definitely is right. I think more will come to me yeah. Um, as we, we progress, not just through this episode, but throughout the offseason, kind of reflect on, you know, what this past season was and, and how fun it was. It really was just a great season to cover. But now, Charlie, talk a little bit about what you thought, some things, maybe some takes you wish you – uh, had changed from the onset or, or maybe not. And you're okay with being wrong, but so, some other things that uh, you got off the mark. Um, well, Duke, I was like uh, Duke. Like I was kind of like my LSU in a way. I wasn't as high. If you scaled it, like obviously like, nobody was saying Duke was going to be a top 10 team. I just really fell in love with the young talent they have, but like, they still have the core, which is important for them going forward. I like what Pollard's doing there. Um, I was just, I thought they could be a team that could finish in the upper echelon of the East and maybe make the tournament. Um, I was very wrong about that. Just a couple of facts like Luke Fox didn't have a great year. Um, you know, you miss a lot of RJ Shrek for a while. Uh, the freshmen didn't play great, but like they showed a lot of promise. Like you still do get, you still keep Alex Mooney, you, Andrew, you, Devin Obi, uh, Stanucci. Like you do have these guys still that are going to be the foundation building blocks for your team. But I really did believe in the I, – I really bought into that they'd make a bigger impact than they actually did, and that's not shade at freshman. Like, it's freshman, and they played in a, one of the, the best years the ACs had in a long time. So I don't – it's hard to ask them to do what the, the players need to do in a conference of that caliber to finish in the top tier of the ACC. But, you know, Marcus Johnson was good. But it's, it, there was just – it was – the freshmen were okay, but the I don't think the seniors are, and the older guys really stepped up like I thought they were going to. I think that was the ultimate downfall of uh, Duke this year. Right. 
I think that Duke was such an interesting team. Yeah. Kind of in the same respect with UCLA a little bit. Yeah, that's fair. Youth, power, gravitational pull toward them. But I definitely see where you're coming from just because they fell short of the expectations that you had for this team. Yeah. And they are high because their their talent is good. But also, I think that you can wait to cash that check because that was kind of a long-term take that you had in, in the respect that, hey, I know that they're young. I think they're going to be good and surprise yeah. people. Hey, but for years to come, this Duke team is going to be pretty solid. And I think yeah. that in that respect, you're most definitely correct. Yeah, hopefully we'll find out in two years, I guess. We, we will. Or we could we'll just be that. all back back here and be wrong again. Yeah, they might be on my list another two years from now. Who knows? <laughs> um, <laughs> Another – I'm going to throw my last one out there because after when after things we got wrong, I want to talk about uh, some conference realignment because I just popped in my head and I think you'd be – I think I want to hear. I want to hear from what you about it too. But my last thing I got wrong about it's not so much that I was like anti the team. I just was sleeping on more than I was like totally, totally wrong. And I think you will agree with this too. That's Auburn. Uh, you know, we thought like we thought like okay, they've got some talent. Like we can see what their the defense will. You know, the defense will be good and all that stuff. But uh, I mean, they blew expectations out of the water. I would throw A and M and Virginia Tech in that same category of just teams where. People didn't really think a ton of them for different reasons. Auburn had their own reasons. A and M was like, well, we know they have Schloss, they have Yeski, they have this whole pit. The, the, they have such an awesome coaching staff now, but they've got these transfers. Like it's the first year. We're not like nobody's usually too high on a first year team with a new coach and all that. And then Virginia Tech, like they're basically picked the finish in the bottom, and they just absolutely mm-hmm. railed on everyone all year. So I think they're all in the same category, but for different reasons. A thousand percent. I mean, Virginia Tech caught everyone by surprise Um, i mean if they didn't catch you by surprise credit to you because that what that lineup did this year just really unprecedented how almost every guy in the order exceeded expectations and uh, for texas a&m i think it was just an incredible story that maybe wasn't covered enough because it was they had Schlossnagel. Okay, great coach. They had a ton of great transfers. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if we go before the season started, not saying their production, which was also great, like Dylan yeah. Rock and Jack Moss and Micah Dallas, but their star-studdedness and the fact that these are big names and a big coach coming in. Yeah, I think that people kind of wrote them off before the season even started because you recognize how difficult it is for a first year head coach with a bunch of transfers to have success in the sec. Uh, But they did that. And I think that's what makes it even more impressive um, how they kind of turned on the jets toward the end of the year, but that's what you would expect for a team that didn't play together the year before it took them a little bit of time uh, but they definitely had that prowess, and I 100% agree uh, that that wasn't looked at enough, but that definitely um, was a massive story. Same thing with Auburn. Sonny D, though, I think we did get on him pretty early, and I do yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, glad Sonny D had the season he had. I think you were higher on than I was, I if I remember correctly. Dude, it's been so long now. Every time I think about this, this is back in like what February when we were talking about these guys for the first time. It was months ago, Charlie. Before oh, yeah. we've, we've had a whole season and a lot of talk, but I think that it was. It's just kind of something that flying under the radar sometimes isn't a bad thing. Uh, for, no, not for, at all. Teams. Be an advantage. Um, obviously, we're on the outside looking in. Uh, but when you're on the inside looking out, you don't really care if you're flying yeah. under the radar, if you're winning baseball games. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so it's not like no anyone's going to be slighted uh, that we were wrong about these human beings because they'll probably just yeah. laugh. But what were we right about? <laughs> Tommy White. That's who I was right about. 
Uh, Tommy White made me look pretty smart early on. I've said that probably a thousand times. I'm sounding like a broken record. Um, didn't expect him to transfer after one year, but um, it's going to be excited <laughs> to see him in LSU. That'll be fun. Uh, dude put on an absolute clinic to start the year. Like the first two weeks of college, the college baseball season, all you could ever see was Tommy White this, Tommy White that. And deserved really so. The dude just like would wake up and just hit like five home runs a day. He's an electric factory. He really is an advanced hitter for his age. I'm excited to see what he does in the SEC after having such a good year and a very, very, very good ACC this year. So I'm excited to see what he does in the new conference. It's going to be interesting. First of all, I'm super excited to see what this yeah. LSU team can do. I think that you are going to have to be that because person who pumps the brakes on me uh, because obviously I was so high on them last year and I'm part of me wants to just increase my enthusiasm but I think they they right now they probably still have a similar problem to last year the pitching I mean I know they've got Christian Little and Thatcher Hurd and we're going to get into this of course in in future podcasts but I still don't know if that is good the pitching that you need ultimately um, maybe they add some more to win in the SEC but Tommy White oh my gosh I mean that's going to be that's fun. You were 100% right about that. He took off in a way that he really took the whole college baseball world by storm. Yeah, uh, he, he really did. And uh, now he's going into the premier transfer class in the s- similar uh, to the way A&M collected yeah. transfers last year. It's what LSU is doing. But yeah, Tommy White, right on the money with it. Yeah, absolutely. It's I will say like, I mean, not that he has to be Jacob Berry, but that's essentially the role he's filling going to Baton Rouge because Barry will be a first rounder without a doubt this in the draft in a, was it two weeks away now that I think is that correct? Yeah, a couple, couple weeks like away. We're almost on top of it. Um, got plenty of guests who might get drafted from our podcast. So hoping for the best for Zach, Brandon, even Austin, Chile as well. Unfortunately, I don't think Ryan or Robert get drafted this year, but that's okay. And I don't um, think uh, either of us. Yeah. I think, Maggie. I think, I think we're safely not getting a call from any, but I think we'll, I think we can go fishing on those days. Um, or, or Maggie either. Yeah, true. Yeah, never know though. She's, she's she can be a glue guy. She really can be that that form of a support that a oh, big yeah. league ball club is looking for. Yeah. So, and the last <laughs> thing I'll say about Tommy White is he clearly is unbothered by the pressure, and, you, and not that not NC State has a fantastic fan base across all sports. Good job up there in North Carolina with their squad. Um, LSU though is still a different beast. And I do think if there's any of the transfers in this that are going out this summer, like Tommy White's the kind of guy that's gonna be able to handle it. He's already put up a historic freshman year. Um I do think people need to temper their expectations a little bit. And because I not that Tommy isn't gonna get better because I think he will get better. I just don't just think the numbers are gonna get any anything crazier and like, I don't think he's gonna be hitting 35 home runs next year. You know, like you hit 27, like that's hard enough as it is. Like, I don't think you're actually going to be hitting 35 next year. Right. I, th- I would, I would think it sucks to say, but the logical answer is that he will have less. Yeah. Um, he's going to play in a better conference. His name is known more. Yeah. Um, People know how to throw them a little better now too. A little bit better. Yes. And so whatever, if I say he's going to have more, he's, he's a great player yeah. here. The maturity that he has is what is very impressive. Yeah. I mean, he comes in as a true freshman for an NC state team that made the college world series the year before. Yeah and had a ton of noise around their program because of that. And he kind of came in stole all the storylines then bounced out of there and kind of playing that Jacob Berry role, not only in the sense that he's leaving, but in that, okay, transfer uh, coming, he's not coming with Jay Johnson uh, yeah. from the same school, but same regard that a top line transfer uh, coming to play for Mr. Johnson and LSU. And I think that uh, that was pretty cool for me, Charlie, I guess I was right about this in the respect that when we talked about Peyton Graham, I, I t- said that I think he's going to be a great player. I think he's going to be one of the best players in the country. And ultimately, he fulfilled both of those things, in my yep. opinion, um, when, when you look at the numbers. Maybe the speak wasn't uh, really going to give it to people at the beginning of the season. We just talk about it. Uh, but when you look at the body of work, I think it's hard to argue that he's not one of the best players in the nation 
And I think that now he's shown that for a couple years. And I think that a big payday is coming his way uh, here in a couple of weeks as well. Big fan of him, not only because I think he's a great hitter, a good baseball IQ guy overall, but I think he has so much room to grow uh, because of his frame. And you could put still a lot um, into that as well, which makes me excited to see how he can progress in the future as well. And so I guess I'm going to say that I was correct about that. Yeah, I think he crushed the Peyton Graham. Um, I think he made himself quite a bit of money from the College World Series and even the Super Regionals. Like, And I do agree he can put a lot more muscle in the frame, so there's probably more power. He'll probably sacrifice a little bit of the speed on the basis for that, but that's okay, especially in the modern mm-hmm. baseball. People still aren't stealing as much as they used to in the power plays. Like The dudes are a quick as hell at the plate. Like He gets his hips turned so quickly. His hands are lightning fast. Um, I am really excited about Peyton Graham. I'm going to stick to my comp A. Uh, round where I think he's going. He might stick in the first round. I just haven't seen a lot of it yet from just uh, mock drafts. That's nothing against him. It's just simply what I'm seeing people tell. But I'm reading on the internet, which I know that sounds silly, but it's just the truth. So I'm excited for him. It'd be fun if he'd come back, but I'd be pissed at the same time. Like, what the hell are you doing leaving all that money on the table? <laughs> right. Uh, not taking that first round-esque money. Yeah. Um, very rare. Um, especially for a guy who has a year, just one year of eligibility left. But Charlie, here's a take that I I feel like it might help um, if I introduce it for you. Okay. That you were completely on the money for. Not only do I think that this was probably the most instrumental take in midweek podcast history, but it also developed it's the color and logo for our show consequently even though that's not the intention not the intention but then also it, it, it led us to talking to some incredible human beings absolutely and it led us to really developing an affinity uh together for this team who was really impressive uh this year to say the least and uh that is campbell you were on the money with him early and uh, Zach Neto, one of the best stories in college baseball this season, been a pleasure to talk with him, honestly, this year as well. And uh, with your Campbell take, I think that was very instrumental um, in helping the midweek podcast uh, produce content uh, related to the Campbell fighting camels. Yeah. Um, certainly the one I'm happiest about definitely um, non-baseball related helped us the most for sure. I think you made a very good point. Like it was a, it's been an absolute blast talking to Zach and Maggie and getting to know the fan base of Campbell. It's been fun to see the support because, you know, like not that we're a, a huge podcast yet. Hopefully we will one day. But it's fun to see that there are people out there who give a fuck about what we're talking about. Uh, it's, it's always encouraging to see it when, like, we, you know, I'll post something. And this, oh, the first people that are always gassing us up are the Campbell community. So we always appreciate them for that. And also it helps that, I mean, we probably saw one of their most historic seasons ever. Not only did they have, Two All-American players with, like, um, Harrington and Neto, they just raked. It was fun seeing Kate Keeler, Ryan Chassie, you know, Drake Pearson, Connor Denning, Ty Babb, and all these guys. It was a, so much fun to watch. And still, yeah, that take was huge. I'm very glad I went – I rolled with it in that trap game. And another hats off to Tommy White and NC State. They're the ones that had to lose that game for us to post the clip, which helped us get a little more of that following. So, um, yeah, uh, Bowie, we love Bowie Creek, man. That's awesome. The, the meat wagon. Oh yes, sir. The meat wagon. It's been fun. We got, I was, I, I'm telling you, we got, we got, we have to go down there for a weekend next year. Got to look at the schedule. See yeah. non-con obviously when we did our States, North Carolina, they're going to have some good games in non-con um, oh, yeah. where they're going to be playing top 25 esque teams. I'd love to go down and see that. Um, and I'd love to see them be a team that makes a run, makes a run in the regionals yeah. uh, moving forward, just yeah. being a strong mid-major program. Yeah, it'll be interesting just because, like, they do have a lot of talent returning. They did lose a lot of talent this year. It really does. It really is hard when you lose, you know, Ned Zach, who's going to be, you know, a first-rounder, Thomas, who might also be a first-rounder. And that's not only that's – two. that's your Friday guy, and then you're starting shortstop. So those are two. Pretty, you know, bonafide pretty, pretty, leaders, yeah, yeah. Pretty bonafide leaders in pretty important positions, but you know, less worry about the pitching because you know you have Kate who's going to be who's going to step in and do great in that Friday role for Thomas. Now that Thomas will be gone, 
It'll be interesting to see what they do in the infield that Zach's out, but they do have plenty of bats returning. Um, Justin Hare and company have proven they can develop players that necessarily aren't the highest recruited players. I'm not saying they're going to have another Zach Neto there because their Zach Nettos don't grow on trees as much as we all wish they did. They do not. But if you can take, if you can take a kid like from Miami, or even I'm, if I'm not mistaken, Thomas Harrington was a walk-on there. And so that's just shows you that you can get these guys from all different places. And that's incredible. Absolutely dominate the Southern Conference and, you know, compete with uh, Tennessee in your game. Like I know they're, they were putting one of the hardest, you know, pods possible, but overall a, a smashing success for the Campbell Campbells. No, that that's the fact that the way they can develop players oh, really is a testament I mean, if you're a strong mid-major program, that's what you have to do. And they do that as good as anybody in the country because it's not like they're getting that top recruit a lot of the times. It's They're getting a recruit and they're developing them into a high-caliber player. And that's super cool. Great testament to their coaching staff. Like you said, a historic season that they had. And I've developed a great passion for them. Um, Certainly, I can't wait to either go to a game with you sport in a big, maybe double XL shirt, a Campbell baseball um, merchandise um, that, that will be fun for sure. And oh, yeah. uh, we'll definitely want to get whatever teams that Neto and Harrington land on oh, yeah. jerseys for them. Um, I've become a fan for life. So I'm pledging uh, that allegiance right now. So yeah. <laughs> that is a, uh, Absolutely fun, but one one other thing that you got right, Charlie. Another one that turned out to be a good long term bet for me it was Maryland. You know, true. We're talking about historic seasons. Like this is the historic season for Maryland. You host your ever your first ever regional. You know, you win the Big Ten regular season conference. You know, Bubba Eileen has a great year. Ryan Ramsey, Jason Savakul, Noah or uh, Nick Dean, or just Dean in general has. I'm tweaking on right now. My brain's going crazy. Um, Everybody, like if I if I made the point that, you know, Harrington made himself a lot of money this year, and we said Peyton Graham made a lot of money for himself in the College World Series. I mean, I think the whole Maryland roster made themselves a whole lot of money for the guys that will be drafted. Like everybody had a great year. Bubba Eileen, you know, he's one of my first team All American picks this year. Jason Savickle was instrumental in what they did. Ryan Ramsey threw a no hitter, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. Like the dudes just had a great year. It was fun. College Park is a really cool spot. If nobody's ever been there, it's a beautiful campus. Really good university. Shout out to Scott Van Pelt. Um, it's, it's good because I do think the Big Ten has some really cool teams that can, when they're good at baseball. And so it's really nice seeing Maryland on top of also Rutgers doing well. So very happy for my pick on that and the Terrapin season in general. They had a great year. You were right there, uh, right on it. That was very cool. Um, I've run out of things that I was right on. I, I, I had Texas. <laughs> in the sec, but I feel like those are kind of dumb, uh, because obvious, but, um, any other things that you want to discuss that you were right or you were wrong about, or do we want to move on to a topic that we kind of sprinkled at the beginning of the show about LSU players in players out the imports, the exports. I thought of one thing, cause you asked me this way earlier and it's a little bit of a hater take, but you're asking me things you, you whiffed on. And the only one, the one that I was more iffy on, but I did kind of go with you on it for a little bit was uh, we, you were wrong about Long Beach State, but I'll, I hold, was. Some of, I was, I'll hold some of that blame because I also didn't, didn't really try to stop you. Slash, like they did look really good in that first weekend against Mississippi State. It was hard to not get excited about, you know, Luis Ramirez and company. Like the, you the, were, well, that's something that I, I, I was wrong for sure. I, I'm never afraid to admit when I'm wrong. But I would argue that you were more right um, than I was wrong about that because I was like, "Yeah, I'm hot. Long Beach Shade's good." Yeah, you were adamant, which is a strong character trait of you, confident in the young man that you are. <laughs> you were saying, "I don't know about them being six. I mean, that that's let's pump that's fair breaks. That's fair. Um, so that that um, you found another way to get your tires pumped." How about that? 32 uh, PSI in the Ford F450. Nice job. I mean, you're doing well. I appreciate it, big dog. It'll happen, though. Okay. (laughs) 
But no, I like that. If you have throughout the rest of this show stream of consciousness, honestly, let's open it up to to the listeners because I know we've had comments before. It, anything that we got right or wrong, let us let, know. Let us know. Um, we've certainly had people let us know before, and and it's yeah. great to have fan interaction. Absolutely, I could name a couple more. I got wrong, like like not that I was super high on this team, but like I'm pretty sure, like in our preseason. Uh, pod, I said like Nebraska might be is the favorite to win the Big Ten. You know, dead wrong about that. They had not have a good season whatsoever. I I liked what Baylor had and they actually win the Big Twelve. But I thought they could finish in the top and like make the tournament. Very wrong about that. They had a pretty mediocre season as it was. Uh, number of reasons it doesn't help when you know your ace gets hurt after like a month and a half of the season. That's never helps. McKenzie and Trey Rich didn't have the best seasons ever. I'm not going to hold all the blame on that because it takes a whole team. But Baylor was another one that was whiffed on for sure they were both interesting i think the big 12 was interesting too because yeah when we talk about what where we measured teams and how they ended up performing a team that i think most people you could say were right about i feel as though maybe i was right about it or it maybe it was just a general consensus but oklahoma state for yeah. example uh coming into the year okay texas massive okay question marks maybe with oklahoma question marks maybe with tcu question marks potentially with other squads affiliated with the big 12 toward the top but with oklahoma state they were a team kind of in the light that AM was a ton of transfers looking good and they yeah. were a solid team all year long and yeah. that's what i expected them to be but then again that's what they were expected to be. So it's not out of the ordinary, some crazy take. Um, but that's how you end up being absurdly wrong a lot of yeah. the time. But screw it. I mean, if you have a take like you, you, you take it. And I think that Oklahoma State was a team that I was very confident that they were going to have a great deal of success. But if we stay in that same league, Although I was very high on Peyton Graham, of course, I did not expect them to be one of the final two teams standing yeah, in the world of college baseball as well. I mean, after last year, losing one of their best hitters in Connor McKenna, they, they come back and Treadway's amazing. Peyton, I mean, he's so fun to cover. Yeah. And then Peyton Graham is amazing. And their rotation with Bennett and then the emergence of Horton, they just played really well at the right time. And I think that that is interesting to see how we measure up what those teams were doing and how that they were going to perform uh, this year. Cause we in the big 12, a lot of the conversation was dominated by Texas. Obviously a few other teams had a good deal of success as well Texas in that Tech. league. Uh, Texas tech, definitely bird cell. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, that's a, you're not wrong on honestly. Yeah, going to the preseasons like Texas, Oklahoma State, and like um, Texas Tech are the big three. And uh, staying in the Big Twelve too, a team that like not that we were like blatantly wrong about, but I remember I do remember saying like I think this team can be good, but they're more like two years away than they are right now. But like, oh, West Virginia played a lot better than I expected them to do all year. They so they did. One. I think the Big Twelve surprised people this year maybe not in the regard of the sec or acc but in yeah. the regard of their competitiveness they're further um, along than people thought they are and uh, some people see the big 12 as okay there's a couple good teams and that is true there are a couple teams cut from a different fabric which makes a great conference in my opinion yeah. but i think that they were just overall very competitive you'd have teams at the bottom take series from teams toward the top yeah and that parody shows how good the 12 is west virginia a great example of that and it's hard to know obviously we both weren't very high on them uh wasn't a great reason that we should have been high on them yeah. uh, by the way they played but they did uh surprise people because that's all all it is about is one team is going to win it all. But when you evaluate your picks and your predictions, it's just based how did you measure up versus expectations. And I just think that the expectations that we have 
uh, sometimes can be different than what potentially a team expects of itself um, or the consensus expectation that there is what, how do you measure their success overall? You know? So yeah, that is something that's interesting uh, to, to, to dive into, to dissect um, because there's a lot of moving parts in the power five college baseball and conferences all around. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm down to move on in a sec. But I'm going to run through some other things I was wrong about. I was wrong about Clemson. Uh, I was also wrong about Caden Grice. Grice had a great year. Max Wagner. Uh, Max Wagner, though, was a dog. So shout out to Max Wagner. Uh, and then also ECU. I, I hopped off that bandwagon very quickly and then ended up making the Super Regional. So I was wrong about ECU as well on the, to- on the total for the year. Fair enough. I was wrong about a lot of things, and I'm going to continue to uh, let the listeners let me know about it. Everybody has us on Twitter at Connerly Will at B O U R. No, no, no. I think it's, I always forget what it is. Hold on. I can, it's the Blanco B. That's what it is. Blanco B. So I was completely off after the letter B. (laughs) But yes, we will. say anyways and move on to LSU. Yep. So there is moving in and then moving out. You know, they they have imports yeah. and they have exports. So let's first look at players that have left this program and that are transferring away. Drew Bianco. He's going to Houston, I believe, right? Yes. And he's the son of Mike, Mike Bianco, Bianco, who just won the national title and is now yes, coaching Team USA. Yes, sir. Then you've got Jacob Hasty, Will Safford, Kyle Deere Cranford, Giovanni Di Giacomo, Brennan Holt, Michael Fowler, Brody Drost. No shade to any of those guys, but um, in terms of a team like losing players, that's about as good as you can get from just the strictly transfer. Not that like those guys in their own right. It's not any shade. It's just like those are guys you can live without especially considering what they took in for this upcoming exactly. season. Exactly. That's what it, the part It's fair to say to none of these guys to. were big contributors for the season they had. Definitely not. And I also think that in some aspects, if we didn't know who they were getting, you would say, oh, this is kind of a big loss because a lot of these guys, while we know of them, they're on the roster, they're not huge contributors maybe this year. They could yeah. be players that you say, okay, maybe in a couple of years, these could be pieces that help this yeah. program stay where it's at. But yeah. when you get all these transfers coming in, that gets the players on the team now saying, crap, my job's in jeopardy. I'm going to transfer because you kind of just see the writing on the wall. And this yeah, was sure. the writing was pretty damn big. Yeah. Um, the left side of the infield looks like it's going to come from the transfer portal. Carter Young, shortstop from Vanderbilt. He's coming to LSU. Christian Little, starting pitcher. Well, mainly reliever. This so past I, w- I would expect him to start, though. I don't know what he's going to do. I, I, would, interesting. I would – Hope he starts because I don't see. I would imagine. I feel like the main, one of the main reasons he transferred was he wants that right. starting role. Um, Tommy White, we talked about enough, is coming in. He's taking over Jacob Berry's role. If they can get Thatcher Hurd healthy and he's all squared away, uh, Thatcher Hurd's going to be a dog in the SEC. Like he's got so much talent. He was one of my favorite freshmen. I was really high on him coming into this year. He did get hurt, but he was playing pretty well overall. Jake Pineda from Baylor was a huge get. All mm-hmm. all all Big Twelve honorable mention list hit three hundred last season. And I think one of the underrated pickups was Dylan Tedbreak from Creighton. He may not join if he gets drafted, but let's assume he does join. He's the two-time Big East pitcher of the year. And then Will, if they if the rumors are correct, if the rumors are correct about Hurston Waldrip going to Baton Rouge, um, I was going to say this when you were saying about how uh, you say I might have to need to reel you in about LSU this year. Uh, I think the hype's a little more uh, warranted in the excitement, in in the sense of promise. Because okay, yeah. Um, Jacob, you lose Jacob Berry, that's huge. I'm not saying that's like that's a mass, that's a massive loss. Okay. Um, you reload it with Tommy White, who's younger, you get another you get another year out of him for sure. Um, you keep trade working, you keep the potential number overall pick for next year in Dylan Cruz. So you have that going already. You know, you're um you get Carter Young, who like I'm not like I don't think Carter Young is like a program changer or anything. I didn't say with Pineda, but those are two good bats. I know Young only hit 207 this year, is down, but he has the talent to do better than that. Pineda 
is a proven hitter. Those are both just good pieces, good depth. You can put them at different positions. I, I do like them. They're good additions as well. Um, but the thing that uh, intrigues me the most about this team and their transfers compared to last year's was the fact that at least Jay Johnson seems to be attempting to answer the question. And he didn't really have as much time last year because he kind of he took the LSU job a little late. But uh, this is the fact that they brought in a lot of pitching talent that has some experience, like Christian Little has enough experience. Hurston Waldrop, if he does go there, um, would have a lot of experience and had, had a great year last year. Dylan, um, Ted Brake from Creighton has plenty of experience when you win the Big East pitcher of the, of the year back-to-back years. And then Thatcher Hurd has so much talent, it's crazy. So in theory, on paper, Jay Johnson has answered the arms question well, up while maintaining and improving in some areas the bats for LSU. Right. His bats have got better. His defense seems like it's getting better. His arms seem like they're getting better. And his coaching staff has certainly yep. gotten better getting a pro pitching coach to come uh, lead those arms midseason, leaving his job. Wes Johnson be joining forces with Mr. Jay Johnson, the LSU. All the works of a team that's kind of going to have that star studded can't miss askness about them uh next year interested to see where certain guys play uh what the draft i think we'll know much more after the draft about what this roster construction will look like uh but yes guy like christian little who graduated high school early to join the vanderbilt staff and then was in the staff and then was in the bullpen then started some games and now he's gone and then thatcher and oh my gosh you're right hurston that would be that would be something because he is just as talented as Tanner Hall. Per one of the best one-two punches in yep. the country was Tanner Hall, who's pitching for Team USA right now, and Hurston Waldrip. So I think that that is uh, that is something um, if if they potentially get him. But the th- crazy thing for LSU is, and the crazy thing for this in general is that. I think teams now are able to do this more than they were in the past because yes, there's a scholarship limitation, but with NIL, you can sign with a sponsor that could pay your tuition and pay you money. And it doesn't technically hurt the scholarship limitation that the team has. And so teams can kind of load up. So I wonder if other available transfers, and there's still a lot of good ones on the market that we're about to get to want to join forces in Baton Rouge. Obviously there's a roster number of players limitation, but in terms of the scholarships, even if they're all given out, there could still be deals for some of these big time people still left on the block that LSU might want to go in and get and try to create that dream team. Yeah, absolutely. Like I do love what Jay Johnson's building there. Like it's not, there's no, it's not a question if it's just kind of when, and like they obviously had a good year last year. Jay Johnson made Arizona like a workhorse once again. Like he's going to keep doing an LSU. Like I'm not worried about that. And he just keeps proving it. And like, if you, if there's anybody out there still that doesn't believe that you can reload and have a great team from the transfer portal, like open your eyes, look what he's doing right now. Schlossnagel proved to get into the college world series with a damn near full felt like a full team of transfers. Like you can do that kind of stuff and be very successful. You can. And guys like Paul Skeens, Anthony Hall, Jared McKenzie, of course, Mr. Hurston, they're looking for homes. Luis Ramirez. These guys are looking for places to stay. Um, And there's some big transfers uh, that are out there still any particular ones that we need to mention that we haven't yet? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just gonna say, like, obviously, Paul Skeens is the the prize, the crown jewel currently in the transfer portal. I would say, um, like, so Watts Brown from Long Beach could be interesting. Uh, Reggie Crawford, if he actually transfers and it doesn't go in the draft, um, could be the biggest name too. I feel like he's just gonna get drafted though. I think Torian Montgomery or Torian Montgomery from Mizzou, he hit 362 last year in the SEC, obviously. So you know he can do it. I think he can be a very good pickup. I'm curious to see where he goes. Jordan Sprinkle from Santa Barbara. Uh, his could be another thing where he gets drafted and just leaves. But if he doesn't, because he did kind of down near, like the talent's still there and the scouts believe in that talent. But the production wasn't necessarily all the way there. RJ Shrek from Duke can be a big one. He was hurt for a lot of the years. So that hurts. But he did got a ton of talent. Really, really talented bat that any team would be happy to have. Um, Jackson Smeltz out of Purdue will be interesting. Had a good year. 
starting for the Boilermakers off the mound. And then Andrew Taylor, another one where I feel like he's just going to get drafted. But if he leaves Central Michigan and a power five gets him, like, watch out. The dude can absolutely destroy batters. You're not wrong. And I think that we have kind of detailed throughout the show how important transfers are. Yeah. I mean, it helped teams get to great heights. Look back to last year and how instrumental some have been. SEC pitcher of the year, Chase Dolander. Uh, we obviously talked about Texas A&M. Yeah. Um, Jacob Barry. We've talked about Chandler Simpson a lot on this show. Transfer. How about Hatcher, who went from Mississippi State to Kansas, or Trevin Michael, even yeah. uh, who's a back end guy, was amazing. So it's just, it's just like that. They're very important, and I think that ultimately to build a program, it's that constant balance and inexact science of recruiting and then plugging with transfers as well to ultimately build a program that not only wins year in and year out, but decade in, decade out, and. Yeah not just game by game, but year by year, they're constantly building a program that can sustain and maintain excellence. And it's that constant balance of preparing for the future, but also focusing on winning right now. And so I think that transfer is such a big aspect of that, that maybe coaches didn't have to think about in the past, but it's another piece of that inexact science of recruiting equation that has to be taken into account when you're trying to build a team that you want to lead to great heights and this great thing of college baseball. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's just, it's gonna. I'm very curious. It's, yeah, you bring a good point. Like you really, you can truly win through the transfers. You can rebuild. You can reload. Doesn't matter where you are, who you are, but you can do it. It's also like the people like to always trash the transfer portal because like, oh, kids are just like not being loyal to the team. I always say, fuck that. Like, this is the same. This is the same uh, machine that where coaches tell these kids like, yeah, you're gonna be here for four years and we'll be here with you, and then they bounce for a different job like a month later, and these kids are stuck expecting to hold their promises to these programs too, which typically critical to me but the, the good thing about the transfer portal is like there's a lot of talent that can get buried on bigger rosters so like you can get dudes that maybe don't st- didn't really get enough starting time at like an lsu or like an old miss and you can transfer to maybe a different team within your conference or a smaller school and really do a lot to help with that team like Hatcher did with going from state to Kennesaw state like those are guys that are big contributors that can really do a lot for those programs help them start something new too and then vice versa, like Dylan Rock goes from mid-major and absolutely runs through the SEC with AF. Well, that was the point this year that I thought was more evident than maybe years in the past was mid-major guys or even people from the D2 level moving up to the D1 level or from non-Power 5 to Power 5 and tearing the cover off the baseball, literally Griffin Dorshing one of those names, Sonny D, another one of those names, mid-major-esque guy who comes in and just dominates at the power five level, not in the aspect where you're starting, but in in the aspect where you're all-conference, all-American type player. Yeah, you're not only good at the games play, but you are one of the best players in those conferences, and people didn't know who you were potentially in high school or even the year prior to getting to every new school, like a Griffin Dorshin going to Oklahoma State. Exactly. And so when we tie a bow on this show and tie a bow, hold on, on this episode, when we do that, when we look at the year in review, I know we talk about things we were right about, things we were wrong about, but I want to take a second for a few things that we were in awe about, you know, it's not like we were right. And it's not like we were wrong. We were just like, Whoa, this is somewhat historic. Yeah. Literally the first thing that comes to mind, it's a tie. It's a tie for, because both were historic. Both were historic. Um, Both were record breaking. Both were amazing. And the first one is Ivan Melendez, BB core era home run record history. Yep. And then the other for me 
is the fastest pitch ever thrown on planet earth by a college baseball player. So both of those are record breaking things that happened this past season in college baseball, which was fun, which was cool. And it's not like I was necessarily right or I was necessarily wrong about those things, but those were two things uh, throughout the season that I was in awe of. This is amazing. This is interesting. Um, and something that certainly warrants a great deal of conversation, which we definitely did that. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, another thing that I was in awe of too. One, Joyce was absolute blast to watch that dude throw his absolute heat. Melendez had one of the best years ever. Like he really did. Like the dude, the dude was flirting with triple crown numbers for a little bit there. Um, another one that too is just how advanced some of these freshmen were like a Tommy white or a Vance Honeycut, like the Hunter Elliott for Ole Miss was a huge part of their team. Like it's, imp- it's impressive to see how these guys are coming in. They're just not only the contributors, they're like the stars of their team and they're not even 19 years old yet. It's just very impressive to see. Vance Vance was so cool. Um, oh, yeah. he, he really took off and I think that, he was fun. Another thing, I know we already talked about him, but the way that Griffin Dorshing actually hit a baseball oh, over, 500, f- over 500 feet, um, 513 feet, I think yeah. to be exact, like that is, that was something that was also just impressive. I don't know if that necessarily, or depending on when they started tracking things, it may have been the hardest ball hit that they have since they started tracking um, and it's kind of hard when they develop new ways to track things. Well, it's the hardest since we've tracked it this way. Okay, but what happened before that tracking? We don't know, but it was hit and it was a mammoth of a hit. And that is amazing because tearing the cover yeah. off baseball is not only a scary thing, but it almost the way he hit balls like that this year made me think that is public broadcast cable television appropriate? You know, does it need to change the, does this need to be uh, rated R, you know, because murder, you don't like uh, to kind of just show that publicly, but that was something that was definitely fun uh, to watch. And something that when I think of in awe of, I definitely in the same respect, how the freshmen performed this year in awe of it. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Now you got me think about home runs when uh, Neto hit, put one over the scoreboard at Liberty. That he absolutely hit the shit out of that ball, bro. That was, that was. Uh, I was trying to make a joke about something about religion, but I couldn't think of anything because it's Liberty. But anyways, he absolutely shit on the ball like that. That one, real, my jaw did drop. I was like, holy shit, man, he crushed that yeah. because you just, you know, it's always a good bomb, and this like was I, every Ivan Melendez home run. But like, well, you know, it the second. There's just a certain sound you hear off the bat sometimes, and like the way it's coming off the bat, and like that thing, you don't have to look at it. You can like walk away, and like that's gone. Like there's no doubt in my mind, that thing is absolutely blasted. And that's what I remember thinking about when I saw Zach hit that. That's a similar feeling I had to the way uh, Drew Gilbert Gilbert hit a ball, and I know he hit it in a night game, and balls look like they're <gasps> further in the night. Yeah, uh, but literally hit it like over the trees. Ivan did that too a couple times yeah. in the postseason, where you just like, holy crap, man. ball go! You, you know? just see like, those things. Like you can like, see those things, and I'm like, I could work out and get as let I could, I could max myself out physically, and I'm not hitting a ball anywhere near that far. Oh God, no! I I don't think I'd hit it out of the but, stadium. They're clearing parking lots, yeah. and but it's pretty cool to watch, though. I'll take it. Very cool to watch. Unless you're 60 feet, six inches away throwing it, then uh, that's right. So I take your cap and move on to the next one. Um, that definitely uh, can get tough. Obviously, we've talked a lot about things we're in awe of, what we were right about, what we were wrong about, transfers on the block. Obviously, uh, we, we talked a lot about LSU and how insane they are, but there were some other transfers, uh, that I just wanted to detail really quick. You mentioned it, Zane Denton, uh, yep. Tennessee, uh, Colby Thomas, moving Florida, uh, Xavier Revis, kid from UND, GLVC to Ole Miss, reigning national champs. He was an All-American. Cade Winquist to Oregon, Aaron Nixon from Texas to Mississippi State. And then in the same respect, 
Garrett Gillimat going to Texas from yeah. USC. So those are just some other transfers. Obviously, we're going to watch where Paul Skeens goes and a lot of the other big stars, but uh, that that was interesting. And obviously, a little bit of the coaching carousel was moving forward as well with uh, the Grand Canyon coach going to USC. He had Link Jarrett moving around, going back to his alma mater. Wes Johnson, obviously, leaving the Twins. Um, so on that front, a lot of news and in terms of college baseball and newsworthy things this summer, it's a lot about the stars and the stripes and team USA going to compete um, in the Netherlands in that event yep. for the first time since 2014, the Cape Cod league, the Northwoods league, the coastal plains league, and uh, obviously all the leagues where the players are playing and trying to get better um, and all of those great things as well. Yeah, absolutely. If baseball never stops, go watch some summer baseball. It never stops. Charlie, any final thoughts? Yeah, I really, I just really, I kind of like not that I'm an LSU. I'm not some super fan of LSU, but I do, I do want Hurston to go to LSU, just because I love the putting idea. it out there. I just love the, I love the idea of the fact that you have not only a two-time pitcher of the year in the Big East, you have Christian Little who's got a shit ton of talent. If Thatcher Hurd's healthy too, I'm going to be pumped. Like I'm going to have to watch every LSU game. If Little wouldn't start, games. I feel like if they got Hurston. I feel it could probably be Thatcher just because I know he's been hurt. So they probably bring him back and he's only going to be a sophomore. Obviously we don't know what's going to happen. It's yeah. Too we far we have no see. idea. I believe right. in Christian little star, but we'll see. No, I do too. I mean, he's a great yeah. talent, but that is the final thought listeners. Whatever you do today, maybe just for a second, think about Hurston Waldrip's future. And maybe yeah. we can get him on the show. Ask um, him so her- yes person if you're out there um we'd love to talk to you not not i mean if you want to reveal it on the movie podcast that'd be pretty cool that would be pretty cool but we just want to talk to you you know we just want to see how's it going and uh talk about the incredible season that you had because i mean it's cool to uncover the stories that these players have throughout the seasons and the great amount of success uh that they uh produce and honestly let's be honest the entertainment um, that you provide to, to millions of people that uh love college baseball so thank you so much i appreciate you guys listening charlie bornoff has a busy schedule so he's got to get going right now but so do i so we'll see you guys they want to dig up the dirt son is it me they hawk because i be putting it work that's all my eyes can see victory is mine yeah surprisingly